0: Good morning. Good singing, good worship. I gotta tell you, I never thought of that. That the, the whole war cry is that what you call it? A war cry, saying, singing those O's, you know. And I I love when people give me a different perspective on something, you know, because you know, like there's all these been like, and again, I'm not saying all these people were good or right, but there were war cries that freaked people out, you know, I mean, if you've ever done the Civil War, learned about that, I mean, the rebel cry apparently freaked out the Union Army, not enough to lose, but certainly uh, freaked them out, and uh, what is it, Banshees, weren't they, the great, the, that would scream and yell and strike fear, and uh, uh, actually, even Gideon, when, and Gideon in that war, they s- broke things and shouted, and it's, you know, ca- Lord la- caused that to create a great fear in the enemy camp, so That was kind of cool. You know, sometimes when we sing, and we don't have to scream like crazy people, we can sing beautiful melodies that strike fear in the enemy's heart. I like that. That was really cool. Thank you for that. And He is good. Do you you believe that? All right, let's do this. So it was so good to think about He is good. I'm going to sit here and we're going to just present ourselves in the Lord's presence. And I want you to just. Say that verse, or yeah, verse. he is good. You can say, God, you alone are good. You can say whatever you want, but then I just want you to be in his presence and see what he brings to mind, that you might give thanks because he is good. If you're in a tough circumstance, ask him, for what in this tough circumstance can I give you thanks for because you are good? And you told me I can give thanks in every circumstance. Not for the circumstance, but I can find some in the circumstance. So let's just quiet ourselves and present ourselves to the Lord that he is good. Help our heart, spirit, that we might worship Lord, you are good. And we can be so grateful that you are. We might not thank you for the furnace, but we thank you that you're in the furnace. We may not thank you for the storm, but you're in the storm with us to calm the seas. You are good. You alone are good. And we are so grateful that because of that, we are yours and you are ours. In your name, amen. All right, vision. We have been going through three of the critical steps. The shepherding couples leadership group has been going, elders and wives, that we've been going through. We started with values, we went to mission, and now we're at vision. Um, And I can't just do just one, because I always think everything in Scripture has to come home first to us, and then it helps to see it as as a corporate entity. So we're going to look at this for ourselves as vision, But just to remind you, we have been meeting since February um, for, I don't know how many meetings, gosh, five, six, somewhere, usually five, six hours each, um, <laughs> praying through, seeking God. What, what do we value? Lord, what have you put on us? How have you uh, made CFC a place? You know, what do we value and what do we need to value? Based on that, we came up with a mission statement. We'll show you all this here in just a little bit. And then we have to move to vision. What does it look like in the future? What If we do everything that we value with the, with the imprint of the mission, what does it look like? What does CFC look like? And that was the challenge we had before us. But I got to tell you, this is so important. It well, It's a concept that God has built within us. There is, no, I mean, if you've ever had a chance to work with designers, or maybe you're a designer, an architect, or whatever, it, it, or maybe you've just planned something in your house or, or, or uh, a career, but you have to see it before you can do it. Uh, n- no builder just starts building off a of note. I mean, it's like w- you're going to make a lot of mistakes. you got to see it. You kind of got to see what you're going to build, and then you build it. You got to see what you're going to design in your mind, and then you design it. Um, It is something that I think God has put in us that we need. So we need to just, you know, and, and, you know, we're not, when I say vision, I'm not talking about those visions that God gives supernaturally, like in Scripture. Um, Although it doesn't mean he can't give us this vision. It's just that I'm not talking about those, those really heavy ones that, End up being scripture and things but he could but these are a little different these are a description of the future that motivates the present you know it's it's a future you know i want to be a teacher so what do you do when you're 18 or something you know what you 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 begin to think through that what what do i have to do to become that you picture yourself maybe in the classroom and, and you can see it and it's like what motivates that'll motivate me in the present if i can can you keep my thoughts on this. I mean, every, uh, when I was in business, every basically motivational person or whatever always told you to, you know, think about what your, wh- what your dreams are. So I had a friend, man, he had Maseratis taped in his cubicle and mansions and, you know, because he's like, I'm going to do, that's what I, you know, and I don't know, I have lost track of him, but yeah, uh, I have no idea if he ever achieved any of that, but that was, you know, that was part of, you know, that looking, whether that's was what he was supposed to be doing, you know, we can ask God to tell us why we want to be motivated by that, and he can certainly change that. But it is something that he does. Something, he gives us a future that motivates us in the present, and, and this is important, motivation to God for us. He's created us for this. I'm convinced. I don't think this is, I don't think anybody's supposed to just exist. I think we're all supposed to be, see something in the future that motivates us toward that. If you don't have that, it, it's, life's a little harder. It's not as much fun. It's not as focused. It, it's just more an explosion rather than a rocket. So let's just look at some examples in Scripture. The Exodus and the Promised Land. So he's, God's taking this group of Egyptian slaves, the Hebrews, out of Egypt, into this new land, this is after the, the 40 years and the one generation dies off, and God brings this vision back to them. And here's here's the detailed explanation of it: where they're going. They're in the they're um, on the other side of the Jordan at this point. I do believe, or they're moving toward there. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. They're not there yet, but He's bringing them into this good land, a land of brooks of water of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills. Remember, only, as far as we know, only two remain who have actually seen the land. The two spies that did not sin, Caleb and Joshua. All the rest have to go on this and maybe their testimony. But this is what God's telling them. He's giving them a vision of where they're going. A land of brooks of water, fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, and a land of oil and honey. A land where you shall eat food without scarcity, in which you shall not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Well, let me just stop there, and we'll read the last line in a second. That is, I mean, agriculture. I mean, just... Everywhere. I mean, water, you need water, and there's water, and it's just crazy if you've ever, you know, again, if you ever get a chance to be there, just the springs and the oasis, it's a dry land, and the, but yet you see where God's even provided in the dry lands. And then they even have here, they talk about, they got, they got minerals and ore and things to create tools, and agricultural and weapons to defend crops, and they got all this really good stuff in this land. Again, things they have not had. And then why is this important? Why is this vision important? It's meant to pull them and it's meant to motivate them. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. The whole purpose is that God might be honored, that God might be glorified because he is good. So that's great. That's a great description, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah. Can I tell you what? We all know, right, that this is only really given, this, this form of it is only given really once in Scripture, as far as I can see. I mean, there's other things, but pretty much this is, you all know how they simplified it so they'd remember it, right? Yeah, they had to find an easier way to remember this, right? What is it? Did I hear? I think I heard it. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Fifteen times this is used in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books. Um, penta meaning five, two, meaning I have no idea. Um, but the Pentateuch, <laughs> five, I learned that once, but I really don't know um, right now. But anyway, Penta five, but it's the first five books. Moses is the first five books of Moses. But this is the first time God, in the calling of Moses, he uses this term, a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, I've tried to study this as much as I can with the time I have. It's so unique, and I, and I think it's unique because I don't know if you can find it necessarily anywhere else. Even I, I'd love to know somebody's done research of people of that time. If this was a common phrase, I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> in anybody referencing that, it, I think it became their saying. Land flowing with milk and honey. Why would that? Why does that sum up that big vision that? Well, first of all, think about milk. You know, they, they got it from cows, but also from goats and sheep. They didn't just drink milk, typically. They, they turned it into cheese and curds and all kinds of other things. But in order to have milk, you need to have livestock. You need to have some kind of livestock. And, and in order to have livestock, you need to have water and you need to have grass. And so now all of a sudden you've got, oh my gosh, when I say milk, I'm saying fertile land and water and, and a broad land, you know, big places of grass and when i say honey what am i saying i'm saying i've got those little amazing pollinators that allow my 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 flowering trees and my and and my uh, uh crops and things to be pollinated and there's plenty of them you know there for a while i don't know if it's still the case but we were losing like bees i mean they're all dying in hives and they thought you know like crisis and I n- remember my son texted me and said wouldn't it be crazy if the end of the world came just because there were no bees you know and it's like what a f- crazy thing but you know what we need bees we need pollinators we need them uh, they're desperate for for them and so in that sense to have bees means you have flowering things flowering trees and flowers that produce fruit and vegetables and so God says this in a way that they said they kept using, and, and it's used at least eight more times in scripture, but 15 times used in speaking to one, you know, somebody speaking it to, to the the masses, a land flowing with milk and honey. They were given a vision. Never seen it, but they were given a vision. Jesus had a vision. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus had a vision when he was on earth. He knew that he was going to be lifted up, crucifixion, that's the kind of death. But he knew that because of that, he would draw all people to himself. He had a vision. At some point in the book of um, Luke, I can't think where it is, but he says he turns his face toward Jerusalem. I mean, it's just like, he had a vision, and he had to fulfill it. Hebrews 12 looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had a vision. He was able to look back through the, the, the torture through the death, through the sin that was going to be laid on him. And he had a joy that was set before him, that he would sit at the right right hand of God and that he would be able to redeem people like us, purchase us from being slaves of sin to being slaves of righteousness, servants of righteousness by his blood, by his sacrifice. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is, this is Jesus with his vision, and he's going to invite us in. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Would I lie to you? No. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Jesus had a vision. He knew he was going through something to get somewhere. And he knew that at some point he wanted to comfort them to say, don't worry, I'm going. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that means you're going to be with me. And he says that to all of us. He tells us we're going to be with him. He had a vision. And he's invited us in. You know, it's interesting, we have an eternal vision. We all know that. God has set things up for us. And I'm just going to read this, but there's lots of things we could look at. God has given us a lot of information about our, our eternal future. He's given us a lot of information. He could just say, trust me. But he gave us a lot of information about what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And, and, and when you get to the final end of the Bible, and then obviously the, the, the new heaven and new earth, here's what, here's what he says, and this is meant to motivate us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. By the way, just can I say something about the sea thing that I never really kind of understood? Did you know that most—and he's talking to a primarily Jewish, uh, you know, group—and actually most people in the Middle East hated the sea. Did you know that? Hated the sea. It was considered this scary thing that you're just going to get drowned and, and such. The uh, Hebrews were not known for being great sailors. I think they had. I think there's like two occasions in history, and both were disastrous, I think. Uh, it's just not, and, uh, but, can I tell you, just, now I'm going to go on another tangent. I'm Literally, I've gone on a tangent, and now I'm going on a tangent on my tangent. You ready? So, what is really cool is that uh, the majority of the disciples came from Galilee. You know, we always, the uneducated fishermen, we usually say, right? Who would you want to take the gospel to all ends of the earth? People that are comfortable on water. The only Jews that were comfortable on water were the fishermen of Galilee. So, went on a tangent, but the sea was no more. We think, well, is that a good thing? For them, that was a good thing, because the sea was a scary thing. Um, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I mean, this is, in essence, Jesus and the church, coming together. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Ah, someday all this will be changed. Justice, true justice will happen. Peace will reign. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. I mean, just, it's just amazing. I mean, and I always look at this, you know, we all have this, we're, we're all being changed, but we all know we have a, the flesh, right? The sin nature, and we got the world that kind of activates that flesh, and then we have Satan and his demons that mess with us within there, and all that stuff, and we're always fighting these things, temptations and such. There's coming a day that you'll look at me and say, go ahead and lie, Mike. Can't. Sin, Mike, can't. Sorry, don't you know, not even sure what you're talking about. I guess I remember that, but I totally don't, but I know it was paid for. I mean, someday, Someday it's coming. Mm. Former things have passed away, and he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. You, by the way, and I, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation now. But it hasn't been realized yet. Someday what he has started will be completed, and we will be new. That's the eternal vision that he gives all of us. Right now to, to order our lives, there's the beam sea judgment you see in uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5, where s- as saints, someday we're going to be raised up before the Lord, and our lives will be tested as if by fire. And the things we did in the flesh for our own glory and our own power will burn up. Those things that God, those good works God gave us, that he empowered, that brought him glory, will be these wonderful jewels. My theory is to make the crowns that someday we will throw at his feet when we see him seated on the throne. He's given us these things. So what's your, my present vision? What's pulling you forward? And let's just talk about this. It's consistent with your unique design as God's image bearer. You are unique. You have strengths that I don't have, that your spouse doesn't have, that your sister and brother probably don't have, that your parents don't have. You have strengths. You have things that you value, that you're passionate. You have gifts. You have a unique design. And those values actually flow naturally, typically out of who you are. They just flow. They just naturally. They're things that you value. Why? Because it's how God has created you. And then there's also biblical values, things that we know we should be doing that we're not, and, and such. And tho- those will be reflected in our, what, our, what the vision is. And, and then we usually have a mission then out of that, something that defines kind of who we are. Our mission here right now that, that the shepherding groups come up with is um, uh, real love in real life. Very simple, very easy. It's on a T-shirt. Remember, that was one of the goals real love in real life so that's really good but how do we how does that work out and what would that look like in the future but the same thing would be for us if we're if we have we value we're unique creations we value certain things about who god has created us to be and then we understand within that we have a certain mission that kind of flavors everything we do it's the it's it's the thing that when we come into a situation we bring something that's unique of God, to how He's created us, and, and we can say, "This is it. I know this about myself. I'm working on mine. I'd give it to you, but it's in kind of. But I, I'm working on something for my own personal mission statement of just what does that look like? And it's not enough to say that, but then it's to say, "How does that work out?" I, I, in in Two, three years, how does that, what is that, five years, what does that look like? You know, um, Marcy went to a class on strength finders, and I went ahead and took the test because it sounded kind of cool, and um, they give you a top five strengths out of 34, and um, highly recommend it. But within this class, um, the teacher asked them to do an assignment. They say, basically, one to three years or so, no limitations. What do you dream? Where do you want to be? What's the weather like? What are you wearing? I mean, just go specific. What, if, if there was no obstacle, money, training, anything, what would you, where would you like to see yourself? Where would you like to be? What would you like to be doing? Who's with you? And hopefully your spouse, if you're married, is next to you. And you're saying, yes, of course. But it's your dream. I don't know, you know. But it's just dream. Just let it go. No restrictions. Even if it's absurd, go for it. Do you know, I don't know, how many were in your class? Where are you, Marcy? I just saw you. Fifteen? Would you say three did it? Three or four. It, that's really, it's really hard. It's not easy to dream. Now, it's, there's, I know there's some here that it's like they need to be tethered to the ground because they're floating aimlessly in the clouds all the time. And, and I might be accused of that at times, but sometimes it's hard. But for most people, I think it's really hard to dream. It's like, what's the use? It's never going to happen. That's pr- impractical. I'm not going to. But it's a great exercise. Marcia and I did it. It was interesting. It was like, wow, that's interesting. And just let ourselves go and flow actually mine came out so much different than maybe two years ago because of the things i've gone through and you too i bet the things you've gone through are going to change what you dream but i just think that was i thought that was so fascinating most people can't dream and yet god has created us to be people who are supposed to be look out see what he has given us to do let him give us let him test it we always test our dreams I mean, it's never just saying, yes, that's what God wants to do for me. Bless this, that I want to be a multi-billionaire. Bless this. It's like, well, no, you're, you're asking a miss. You're selfish. You're, no, God's not going to give you that. But what if we allowed those dreams and then we laid those over and said, God, is this anything you have for me? Or we ask God, God, give me a heart to see what's out there. What do you have for me? The way you uniquely created me the passion that you've given me for things, what would that look like? What would that look like, Lord, if I could do anything? If I could be anywhere? If I could... What would I be wearing? Would it be suits or would it be flip-flops and torn shorts or something? I mean, what is it? You know, what is it? So, what's, your, what's pulling you forward? I have been, and maybe some of you, without a real clear vision before in my life. And I'm just, sometimes I feel like I'm just doing time. I'm just doing time. I don't have anything pulling me forward. I'm just kind of in the moment. And it's wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed. Repeat. 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 Weekend. Yay. Monday. Repeat. 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 Is that it? What's pulling you forward? All right, let me see. What, what I, let me think. Who do I have here? How many of the, how many of my lowest shepherding couples? Can you guys raise your hands? Oh, good. I'm going to, come on up, all you shepherding couples. Everybody come up. While you guys are coming up, let me just show you this. What's pulling CFC forward? Because I'm going to have you guys read some of these statements so they're not just always coming from me. Um, what kind of church does God want CFC to based on our values and mission in 5, 10, 15 years from now? It's an expansion of our mission statement to explain where we dream God will take us in the future. So what are our our values? There they are. Biblical instruction. I always add authority just because I want it to infuse everything, but certainly will if we instruct. Worship is a value, something we value here. Does it mean we're doing all these perfectly? No, but their are values. prayer. We've seen an increase in prayer in our body, community, or family as some of you said on your uh, on those, uh, uh, in November uh, the prayer meeting and, and the um, surveys or things we took. Encouragement encouraging people who they are in Christ, and how they might be a blessing to the body, authenticity. You know, we're all in this together. Nobody's arrived. Nobody and let's just own that, but let's not stay where we are. Let's encourage one another to go to the next place. And then this evangelism outreach, are so the aspirational, we don't do those great here now, but we want to, those are values that we say, you know what? Those are important to God. They're important to us then. We came up, like I told you, our mission statement. This are supposed to influence and color everything we do, real love in real life. People need, uh, Built within that is truth you can 't love wi- outside of truth, hence the word real, but those things are only Christ can do real love in real life, and we want to be that his hands and feet here in this world. all right, so you guys get to read this, but I wanted you to see some of our shepherds, and I just thought i 'm you know what i 'm just going to put you guys on the spot all right, who goes you start you just, just read it just just read. And pass the thing on down. <laughs> <laughs> we see a church in the world of ideas that is anchored in the word of God and to the power of the Holy Spirit so All right, now just stay, yeah, pass it on. But let me just say, you're supposed to lay that over. Does, does that one y- something that resonates with you? I hope so. You know, uh, turbulent ideas in this world, we're anchored, we have an anchor, and the Holy Spirit is the only one who can take that word and change lives. That's kind of what that is. So just to lay that over, and is that something that you could see in the future for yourself and for this church? All right. Hopefully you can read that. If you can, you can run over here and look at my thing. Okay. Or look behind you. We see a church that recognizes who God is in response and thankfulness and joy. Yeah. And, and that would be not just 20 minutes on a Sunday. You know that, right? That's meant to be a regular part of our life. There's never a time when we can't worship the Lord. There's never. All this is is when we all get together and say, hey, we've been worshiping all week. Let's get together and worship together. All right? You know, to me, again, just this is my thoughts when I look at that. Expectantly. Isn't that the key word right there? Expectantly. How do we get there? How do we get there? Well, we're going to do it together. Do you want to be at, at a church like that? Where you can be happy or you can be sad, and somebody is going to come along and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And don't we all need cheered? Don't we all need cheered? Somebody in our corner, somebody saying, You can do it, or, or I know it's hard. That's community. That's family. Encouragement. We see a church that encourages individuals to recognize the identity in Christ, their identity in Christ, and to serve the body with their God-given gifts. Very good. It's like an eye exam, isn't it up here? <laughs> I know. You can tell these, I don't know, I want to say our ages, but, uh, you know. Um, what's the smallest line you can read? Um <laughs> Isn't that really what it is, uh, just about encouragement, is who you are in Christ, who Christ you are. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And then that beautiful chance that somebody can know that they can glorify God with their gifts and, and fan in the flame in people to do that. I don't know, Do we have to pass it back to the beginning? All right, go. Absolutely. Anybody been part of? Doesn't have to be a church, but most like a church that nobody wanted to be real. Ever been a part of that? I have. You know, you're, you you paint on a smile, and you you know, you know, you're getting crushed, but you just have to say, you know, God's good, joy in the Lord, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. So, no, it's like, I, life stinks, you know, right now. You know, it's like, that's good. Let's talk. Sorry. Let's take two more. Evangelism. We see a church where everyone is compelled by God's love and empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Does anybody freak out when they see that? Some people's blood pressure just rose a little. <laughs> Do you know we've been looking at this? Do you know that we, I know uh, one survey I saw had nine different styles of evangelism. Nine. You know, when most of us read that, we're going to go outside here and grab some pagan and ram the four spiritual laws down their neck. You know, I mean, literally, that's what we see. And it's like, oh, I'm not like that. No, but you are created. There's something, there's a way that God has created you that this can work. And we just gotta figure that out together and encourage each other. Outreach. We see our church united in the common goal of being the hands and feet of Christ, lovingly serving those in need. hmm You know what happens to churches? It's really hard. We go inward. We tend to go inward, and it's you know there's people hurting, tangible needs to be met, things within the community. The CFC says, you know what? We need to be out there doing those things. That's a that's something that we need to be about. Sometimes, as they say, earning the right or allowing softening the soil that the gospel may be presented so those are thank you guys thanks for letting me embarrass you (laughs) so these are the things oh thank you so these are the statements vision statements that the leaders here have said here's where we are and here's where we want to go and Therefore, we p- we'll put this out in other forms since it's Memorial Day weekend and people are missing. But that's, that's when you look down, we as a group saw and said, boy, that would be really, honestly, isn't it kind of at the some level, what's the church that you want to be involved with? What does that look like based on who we are? What does that look like? And that's what this group came up with. And so hopefully that resonates. Now, that's all really good here's where the rubber meets the road, strategies to get there and priorities to get there. It's one thing to dream. It's another thing to order and such. And that's where this group needs your prayer because that's really, it's it's difficult because you have to say yes to something and no to something else. And that no sometimes is something that seems really important. So pray for the group because it's, it's a big deal. I just want to make sure you see this, but you need a that can be part of your vision, what you saw. But, but also, what is, your, what is pulling you forward? It's important that you have something pulling you forward in this life that you see. And if you don't, I'd begin to ask God for it. God, give me, what that, give me that thing that pulls me forward. You know, Caleb in the Bible, what was he, 80? And he said, give me that, that hard one. Give me the hill country. He had to fight uphill he says i'll take the hill he wanted to, at 80 he underst- he wanted to take the hill country i mean just like he had a vision that he was going to have the high ground and, and he he went for it all right with that come on up you have a closing song Ooh, good so she's coming up just do me a favor just quiet your hearts again Again, this is your time, but I would just cue you on just one thing for you personally is what's pulling you forward. And if you don't have anything, that's okay. The Lord wants to give you something, I believe, something that you can see and that you can be motivated by in your present life and so if you have something or you want to ask the Lord to clarify do that if you just want to worship him do that let's take a moment We thank you for the future, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that you've designed us to be people that can see something and then move toward it. Lord, I pray that anything that we dream would be thoroughly tested by you, that in the end it brings glory to you, it edifies others. We ask that, Lord, in your name. Amen.